Everybody needs money. That's why they call it money. The best things in life are free. But you can give them to the birds and bees. I need From Fool Global Headquarters, this is Motley Fool Money. It's the Motley Fool Money Radio Show. I'm Matt Greer, sitting in for Chris Hill this week. Joining me, Motley Fool analysts Ron Gross and Jason Moser and Emily Flippin will be joining us later. Gentlemen, Happy New Year. Happy How you New doing, Year. Mac? Happy New Year to you as well. Well, thank you. It is our 2021 preview show. And guys, Chris Hill, a late scratch. His back <laughs> is bothering him. So all I ask is that we put together a show that does not aggravate his back. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a tall order, my friend. Yeah. Okay. I think you can do it. And the good news is that we get to say goodbye to 20. 20. Are you ready to say goodbye to 2020? I'm ready to say good riddance. I think a lot of us said goodbye a little while back, even, Mac. It's, it's been a long time coming, it feels like. <laughs> Woof, 2020. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. We are going to talk some 2021. It's our preview show. We're going to talk trends you're excited about. We're going to talk stocks you're excited about. We're going to talk about some stocks to avoid, CEOs on the hot seat, IPOs, and so much more. But let's begin with one industry you are watching in 2020. Jason Moser. Yeah, um, well, I'm, I'm watching healthcare, and in, in specifically in regard to healthcare, it, we we talk a lot about the Internet of Things. You know, that's that's uh, all of the devices and everything being connected these days to the Internet. But also, there's a subset of that Internet of Things in the Internet of Medical Things, and I think that's going to be really neat. We saw some signs, at least in in 2020, with the uh, Livongo acquisition from from Teladoc Health, right? That merger there uh, that was very much centered around that kind of idea. But the Internet of Medical things. It's it's this connected infrastructure of medical devices, software applications, health systems, and services. It it just enables all sorts of different advancements in healthcare, from remote patient monitor uh, monitoring of virtual visits and image transmission, robotic surgery. I mean, this is something that's really up and coming. We're seeing a lot of investments uh, from healthcare companies, device makers, uh, hospitals, insurance companies. You name it. It's it's a big point of focus for for the industry at large. Going to be a big market opportunity projected to hit somewhere in the neighborhood of two hundred fifty billion dollars by twenty twenty six. So I'm just, I'm really excited about the the capabilities that are being introduced into our healthcare system. And I think uh, given where we were in twenty twenty with all of the healthcare challenges, this is going to be a really neat thing to watch in twenty twenty one and beyond. Okay, you may get to this later in the show, but how about a few names? When I hear this, what are some a few names I should be watching here? Well, I mean, I think definitely Lavongo was the name I think that stood out to a lot of people. Now part of the Teladoc family, so keep Teladoc on your radar. Another company that I really like, a stock that I own, Massimo, which is a company that started out in pulse oximetry, which is ultimately just measuring the oxygen levels in your blood when you go in uh, to the hospital. But they continue to build out their portfolio of medical devices that will. Enable more remote uh, patient monitoring. So, yeah, keep an eye on Massimo as well. Okay, Ron Gross, one industry you're watching in 2021. I'm going to keep a close eye on infrastructure and industrials. President elect Biden proposed a $2.4 trillion spending program on energy and infrastructure. He wants to achieve net zero emissions by 2050, clearly wants to keep his promise of building back better. He wants to invest in roads, bridges, green spaces, water, electricity, and universal broadband, all great ways for us to invest. The plan is designed to address climate change while building a new eco-friendly infrastructure, so that's going to affect transportation, energy, autos, a whole 
whole wide range of industrials. Um, I think industrials will also benefit from the recovery in global economic activity, uh, low interest rates, continuing low interest rates, I think will also benefit these folks. So, so I'll give you a few names. Um, keep an eye on industrials like Caterpillar, Deere, Martin Marietta, um, alternative energy companies, Brookfield Renewable, Nextera Energy, um, I think could all benefit. Biden's certainly not the only president-elect to propose a huge infrastructure bill, but I feel that this could be the time where we actually get one passed. Okay, guys, let's talk about a trend you're excited about um, in this um, new year, 2021. Ron, let's start with you. How about one trend for 2021 that has you fired up? I'm truly excited about the pace of innovation. So, what does that mean? So, it's fascinating to me to think about all the things that we've achieved of late. And I think the pace actually only increases from here. So, it's, it's whether it's our ability to produce vaccines at blinding speed or the pace of pharmaceutical innovation, uh, what has occurred with computers in the cloud in a relatively short period of time, artificial intelligence, augmented reality, um, or simply the way the world pivoted so quickly when we all of a sudden had to quarantine at home. I'm thinking of Zoom and DoorDash and Instacart, companies like that. Um, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention my favorite gene therapy, gene editing stocks, um, an exciting, exciting trend. The pace is picking up just exponentially. 2021 and beyond is going to be so exciting in that space, and it, it will be the future of medicine. So along those lines, though, Ron, we saw just as as you mentioned, just such incredible innovation in this past year. A lot of companies pulled their growth forward, and we had companies talking about how basically five, six, seven years worth of innovation in the first six months or so of 2020. So as investors, do we need to reset our expectations for this coming year, given how much innovation there was last year? I mean, we can't keep innovating at this rate, can we? Although I think innovation leads to innovation, and we do see it kind of gap up exponentially in that regard. But I think you make a good point. We do need to be careful. It will probably slow a little bit, certainly from an income statement perspective. We pulled a lot of revenue forward. Well, it'll be really interesting to see how how companies keep their foot on the gas in terms of R and D um, and the pace of innovation. But some of the earnings and revenue um, probably already occurred that would have occurred next year. And in fact, we'll see some one-time occurrences from 2020 that won't repeat itself in 2021. Again, I'm thinking of the Instacarts and the DoorDashes. We won't see that continued growth rate. In fact, growth rates will pull back as a result of of COVID kind of being in the rearview mirror. But um, I think innovation continues. Jason Moser, one trend you're watching. Yeah, I think in line with what Ron was talking about there in regard to the pace of innovation, you know, I run one of our services here, the Next Gen Supercycle service, which is focused on innovation and technology, and specifically 5G. And I'm really excited about the the beginning of the rollout of 5G here for 2021. We heard so much about it all throughout 2020. And, you know, I think on the one hand, it's very understandable for folks to be extremely excited about it. On the other, let's temper that enthusiasm. Remember, this is going to be, this is is going to be a journey, right? This is going to be a little bit of a marathon, but we're really just at the starting point now where 5G is starting to roll out. The networks are becoming capable, more devices are becoming capable, and, and there's so many players in that value chain when you when you talk about this investment in this infrastructure. 
and, and all of the benefits that we'll get from it, from operators to towers to chips and hardware and software, cloud computing, edge computing, content delivery, cybersecurity, healthcare, like I just mentioned, I mean, so many more different players in the value chain and opportunities for investors. And we're really just at the starting point there. And, and just to, to add a little color to that, I mean, the, the GSMA, that's the Global System for Mobile Communications, they, they predict that by 2025, we'll see 1.8 billion 5G connections. And I know that sounds like a lot, and that's because it is. But the interesting thing there is, though, that'll still only account for about 20% of global connections. So that means that even by 2025, there's still going to be so much runway ahead for even more connections and more possibilities when we talk about all of this amazing technology and the neat things that 5G and Wi Fi 6 are both enabling. And then, of course, we hear all of these companies already laying out strategies for 6G too, and that's that's pretty cool. A little bit further down the road, so let's focus on 5G for now. And, and I'm really excited about the possibilities. And yet, I still can't get Wi-Fi in my basement. So, <laughs> can, can, can we work on that before we get to 6G? We need to get one of those mesh routers, man. It comes so true. I got right? it. I got it. <laughs> Jason, I feel like I got lost like a few G's ago. So I need I need you I need you as much as you can. Explain 5G and specifically what will it mean to me in a very concrete way? Because I hear you talking about connections and towers and all this, but to the to in my everyday life, what will 5G mean or why will it matter? Right. Well, I mean, in in simplest terms, 5G is going to lead to faster connections. It's going to give us the opportunity to not only uh, download data faster, but to download far more robust data more quickly. So it's going to lead to new sorts of innovations, as, as we were talking about in in things like content delivery, for example. I mean, you're talking about faster download speeds uh, when we talk about things like 4K, for example, in video, or when you talk about gaming and and next to zero latency or zero delay or lag time when you're streaming something or playing a game or whatnot. I mean, those those are just a couple of examples. But then, I mean, we can talk about uh, healthcare delivery, like I was talking about before. It's going to add uh, all sorts of functionality to the payment space. We're talking about smart cities. I mean, all sorts of different things. Automobiles uh, connecting with one another. There's going to be a lot of different things uh, that it enables. But it's going to be because of those faster speeds and in the in the greater bandwidth to download more data. With that faster speed. Okay, I'm coming around. And it may help Ron in his basement, huh? Never <laughs> Very know. Well Never know. Okay, dare to dream, Ron. Dare to dream. Okay, Ron, you will be back later in the show, but our 2021 preview continues right after the break. We will talk stocks to watch and stocks to avoid. You're listening to Motley Full Money. Welcome back to Motley Full Money. Matt Greer here, sitting in for Chris Hill this week. And I'm joined by Jason Moser, Motley Full Analyst. And Motley Full Analyst Emily Flippin joins the conversation. Emily, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I'm, I'm happy this year's ending. Let's hope the next one's a little bit better. You and me both. Goodbye, 2020. Okay, so let's move on to our 2021 preview here. And let's begin with one stock or industry that you think is poised for upside in 2021. Emily, what do you think? 
Well, earlier in the show, you and Ron made a great point about businesses pulling forward growth and how that could impact their their stocks in 2021. There's one business that I really like that pulled forward growth, but I think is poised for an even better 2021, and that's DocuSign. Now, the reason why I think DocuSign is different than a lot of these other businesses, the way you could argue Zoom potentially has a challenging 2021, is that DocuSign is in a better position to retain those customers that they they acquired during the pandemic because most of their business actually comes from upselling existing customers, not getting new customers into their network. By operating in contract lifecycle management, not just e-signatures, really building out the value chain, owning that contract from the moment it's created to the moment it's signed, integrating all of these amazing technology sources uh, like artificial intelligence to find places assigned to automatically read contracts, to parse through them. I think there's a lot of upside for DocuSign still ahead of it. So, Emily, who or what do you think is the biggest threat to DocuSign? Is it an established player like an Adobe, or is it people going back to the office where the work-from-home dynamic changes? I think the biggest threat to DocuSign is actually their cheaper tiers. We saw it in 2020 that high-value customers, when looking to cut costs, would downgrade their subscription. And it's funny, because DocuSign doesn't have any true competitors in terms of their entire suite of products. Even looking at Adobe, they don't offer the same solutions that DocuSign does. But I think DocuSign gets around this by acquiring customers or acquiring companies not that are competitive, but that are accretive to their core products. Product. They made an acquisition of a business called Seal Software a couple years ago that became the foundation for its AI initiatives, allowing them to build out entirely new product suites. So, taking that approach, I hope, will allow them to continue to upsell those new customers. Jason Moser, one stock or industry that you think is poised for upside in 2021? Yeah, one that one that we've been talking about a lot here coming into the end of the year is uh, Cloudflare, and this is one actually I'm, I'm really looking forward to buying shares myself once I can shut up about it long enough. Um, <laughs> but Cloudflare, it's a it's a global cloud computing platform. It, it helps businesses become more secure, uh, more speedy, and more reliable through a suite of products that offer that it offers from from everything from cybersecurity to to edge computing and beyond. Um, I, I like the company's business model. They they generate revenue. A number of different ways with the pay-as-you-go channel versus uh, also adding subscriptions and contracts in there. So essentially, meeting customers on their terms. Which I mean, listen, customer-centric businesses you gotta you gotta like that. And there's there's a good uh, a founder story there as well with with Matthew Prince uh, as a co-founder and the CEO of the company still today. Uh, they have an edge computing platform in Cloudflare Workers uh, that I think is is really neat, and, and it's going to play into that 5G angle that we were talking about earlier in the show. As as uh, you know, we we look to bring data close to the actual source of the computing, and uh, the business is on the rise. I mean, management recently raised guidance for the full year now, expecting somewhere in the neighborhood of 423 million dollars of of revenue. That would be growth of about 48 percent from the previous year. Uh, and a neat thing here is, is Cloudflare does a lot of different things. From security to performance to reliability, and more, and that's actually a little bit of a story to how the company got its ticker NET, as opposed to something more in line with the actual name of the company. They really they're looking to build this total network solution that customers can plug into and instantly move data securely and reliably and quickly and efficiently. And so they came up with that ticker NET as opposed to something else a little bit more in line with the name because of that general solution right they're looking to become this this 
all-serving all network, so to speak. So, I just thought that was kind of a neat little story as to how they got their ticker, and, and it tells you a lot about what their ultimate goals with the company uh, are. Okay, and let's move on to one stock or industry to avoid, or at least keep on a very short leash. We have about two and a half minutes left, so we're going to keep this pretty tight here. But, Emily, what do you think? Sure, I can keep mine very short because many investors will already be familiar with this industry. That's the cruise line industry. It needs very little explanation for why you should have it on a short leash in 2021. Cruises might be coming back next year, but to be clear, we need to see actual consumers spending lots of money on board to get them to pre-pandemic levels of business. I think that's unlikely to happen for at least another few years. So, if you're investing in this industry, keep an eye out on spending levels and keep that industry on a short leash. Jason Moser? Yeah, I'm going with hotels here, and part of this has to do with I think we're gonna lose some business travel. I mean, there's some estimates out there of 19 to 36 percent of all business-related travel could go the way of the dodo after the dust settles from all this COVID stuff. I think some business travel will come back, but I also think the enthusiasm behind Airbnb's IPO is not misguided. When you look at the numbers that Airbnb chalks up there, 91 percent of all traffic goes to Airbnb through direct or unpaid channels. That's just tremendous brand awareness, and it's becoming the normal way of travel. For these up and coming generations of travelers, I think hotels are really going to have to figure something out here uh, to keep their uh, to keep their businesses growing. Okay, and let's wrap up with one CEO that you think is on the hot seat in 2021, Jason. What do you yeah, Ni Nicholas uh, Mark Russell. I mean, sure, he's only been the CEO since June of 2020, but I mean, this is an electric car company with a ton of baggage, zero revenue, and somehow still a six billion dollar market cap. It just doesn't Tell make any more. sense. <laughs> so they better make something happen in 2021, or Mark Russell. Hey, you know, hey, listen, he's he's definitely people are going to be looking for him to deliver something, uh, something in 2021. So he he better bring something to the table. Emily, who's your CEO on the hot seat? Mine's actually Douglas Bryant of Qdel. Uh, not a bad CEO, but Qdel and, and Bryant in particular have been really aggressive with their timelines of the launch of their new molecular diagnostic system, Savannah. In the past, it's apparently supposed to get to market at some point in the second half of 2021. So I'm keeping him on the hot seat to see if that actually happens. And Savannah, and what 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 does Savannah do exactly? It's a molecular diagnostics company. So when you're thinking about getting diagnosed for for gene based therapies, it can do it faster, cheaper, and more portable than the alternatives. Big market opportunity, but also a very tall order. Okay, well we will keep an eye on both of them. And Jason, you will be back later in the show for some reckless predictions, and we're going to revisit one of your reckless predictions from last year. Uh -oh. And um, Emily, Emily, stay with us because coming back we've got big questions, and we're going to talk IPOs. You're listening to Motley Fool Money. Motleyful Money, Matt Greer sitting in for Chris Hill this week, and I am joined by Motleyful analysts Emily Flippin and Ron Gross with our 2021 preview. Emily and Ron, what is your biggest question about business in the coming year? Ron Gross. 
You know, as both Jason and Emily uh, spoke about in the last segment, I'm really curious to see what happens to travel-related stocks and how big the pent-up demand is. I, I think once COVID is behind us and the economy stabilizes, traveling for pleasure will come back in a, in a pretty significant way. So that does bode well for airlines, hotels, I think even cruises. I know Emily has a question with, with cruises, and that makes sense to me. Um, so, you know, you keep an eye on the southwest of the world, Alaska Air, Marriott, Booking Holdings, um, even Carnival, I think, you wanted to keep an eye on. But my big question is, what happens with business travel, as Jason mentioned? That is so important to the airlines and the hotels. And my gut tells me that some of that business is lost forever. Getting on a plane to fly across the country for a two-hour meeting is not coming back. I just don't think it is. Um, so, we'll have to see what the new normal level of earnings are for these hospitality companies and travel companies. It's too early to tell right now, but that's a big question that I have. And Emily, what's your biggest business question for 2021? I am really interested to see how the business of live entertainment could have been fundamentally changed from 2020 heading into 2021. I can make a really strong argument on either side of the equation for live entertainment, especially things like concerts. When you look at 2021, lots of artists have already canceled all of their concert plans for the next year. They've learned to adapt to the new normal, finding ways to digitally connect with consumers. And we talk so much about the third place becoming this digital world in which we engage with audiences. And that same thing can be true for live entertainment. At the same time, pre-pandemic, live events were the single most lucrative part of the entertainment industry. And people love to go out, connect with their friends, family, and favorite artists in a real physical space. So I'm interested to see if there's any fundamental change in demand for live entertainment next year. And Emily, you see a lot of bands and a lot of musicians trying to pivot to this virtual reality in the last year. And and it's just it's just not the same for me. I love live music. But the idea of paying $30, $40, $50 to watch one of my favorite bands virtually, it just doesn't feel the same. I can understand that argument, but at the same time, if we rewind 10 years, you could also say the same thing about movie theaters, right? At the IMAX experience, a lot of people said, I love the feeling of going to see a really big blockbuster on opening night with all my friends getting popcorn waiting in line. And now, heading into 2021, it looks like movie theaters are, are dead in the water. So, 10 years from now, do you think live events go the way of the movie theater? I think live events will, will be bigger than ever. That's what I think. All, all I know is it's way easy for me to access the restroom when I'm here in my house than when I'm at a 40,000-person concert, and I don't want to miss a song. I love that. I love that. As, as an over 50-year-old, I can appreciate that. Thank you, Ron. Sure. Okay, so let's move on and um, talk about IPOs, because 2020, wow, what a year for IPOs. We had Snowflake with the biggest software IPO ever. We had Airbnb, DoorDash, just to name a few. So, 2021, what's an IPO you would like to see, Ron? There's a really interesting company called Roblox that should be coming in 2021. They're an online gaming platform valued at about $4 billion in the private market. It allows users to create publish their own video games, founded in 2004, and they make money through the sale of its Robux in-game currency. 
um, 31 million daily active users. That's an 82% increase from a year ago. First three quarters of 2020 had revenue of 589 million. Now, because of accounting rules and how they can recognize revenue, they're still not profitable, but they did have positive cash flow of almost $300 million for the first three quarters. So that's something I really like to see. They were expected to IPO in December, but because of that, the amazing debuts of Airbnb and DoorDash on day one, they went back to the table and said, we got to talk a little bit more about how to price this thing, because I don't think they wanted to leave as much money on the table as those companies did. So hopefully, we'll see it in 2021. And Ron, earlier in the show, we talked about um, resetting expectations after this amazing year we've had in terms of innovation, in terms of a lot of growth getting pulled forward. For Roblox, I mean, is it going to get any better than a year where you have so many kids at home playing video games? Probably not. And I, I would have maybe gone public anyway, and, <laughs> and even if I had to have left some on the table, because you just don't know. Sometimes a bird in the hand, you know, you, you want to take that. Um, because as you say, now is a great time. For, for a company like Roblox, retention and keeping a customer is real important. They seem to have a customer for about 23 months right now. Um, you want to see that increase. You want, you know, they'll never approach something like Netflix, but you want to see that, you know, grow so they continue to, you know, charge those people uh, through those Robux currencies. Um, so, I don't know. You got you got to strike while the iron is hot, and I hope delaying doesn't come back and bite them. So Roblox IPO day one, you're buying. I almost never buy IPOs on day one. Not to mention the restrictions we sometimes have on what we can buy or not. But I always like to let these things kind of play 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 out for a few days, if not weeks or months, and, and then I consider it. Okay, Emily, what's an IPO you're fired up about in 2021? This company isn't as likely to IPO in 2021 as Roblox is, but I would be excited to see it IPO, and it's Discord. A lot of listeners may be customers of Discord or users of Discord. It's a Zoom-like, and that's being gracious to its platform, a platform where you can instant message, have video calls, voice calls with your friends, and it really got its bread and butter start in gaming. So the gaming community is, is particularly of interest to Discord, but it's doing a lot to create groups and social networks really focused around communication that's not face-to-face. And the reason why I think it's a really interesting business heading into 2021 is obviously they've acquired a lot of users over the course of the last eight to 12 months. But more importantly, we've seen bigger businesses, Zoom in particular, go after the consumer market. Zoom used to be business-focused pre-pandemic. Now, consumers, right, our parents, our grandparents, our kids, they're using Zoom to connect with those around them. I could see either an IPO or some sort of bigger acquisition in 2021. Okay. And you mentioned bigger acquisition. If someone acquires Discord, who is the most likely suitor? I would really like to see Zoom acquire Discord. And uh-huh. the reason is, is because it's hard to see a business make the transition to consumers. And when Zoom has successfully made that transition, as they have this year, I think they have a bit of momentum to go after some smaller players that are making ground that are consumer-focused in general. That, in this case, would be Discord. I feel like if they let Discord get to the point of IPOing or otherwise becoming more successful, they will pay up if they want to acquire those users. Okay, well, we will revisit that a year from now and see where it stands. Coming up, we've got surprises, we've got regrets, and we have reckless predictions. You're listening to Motley Full Money.
As always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Welcome back to Motley Fool Money. Matt Greer sitting in for Chris Hill this week, and I'm joined by Motley Fool analyst Emily Flippin, Ron Gross, and Jason Moser. It is our 2021 preview. Goodbye to 2020. Good riddance. Woof. Hello to 2021. That's a two-show woof. That is a two-show <laughs> two woof. Two-woof show, I guess, is yes, the more appropriate it way just, to say it. It just felt like, a, it felt like another woof. Now, in a minute, we're going to get to our reckless predictions, which is my favorite part of this show each year. But first, a quick round of fill in the blank. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I love the enthusiasm. Okay. <laughs> In 2021, blank is going to surprise a lot of investors. Jason Moser. Well, Mac, we we spent I think at least a little part of 2020 having a little fun at the expense of NBC and their in their newfangled streaming app and and the name that they came up with a Peacock, right? I mean, <laughs> we gave it you know it's it's due I think and deservedly had a little so. fun with it on the shows. <laughs> but I'm here to tell you, man, I think that NBC's Peacock app is going to surprise a lot of people in the coming year. And I say this as a as a Peacock subscriber, not just an ad supported subscriber, Mac. I'm actually paying money for the subscription. And uh, and I'm and I I don't regret it. And I've got not one regret. I think it's amazing to see what they've done in actually a short period of time with this thing. Now over 26 million signups. And I think the interesting thing about this app is the way they view it, right? And I think a lot of people look at this as a Netflix versus a Peacock thing. I don't know if that's the right way to look at it because Netflix is a subscription play, but Peacock really is an ad play. Advertising is the primary revenue Can I stop you right there? Because yeah. I don't, th- I don't think anyone is asking about Netflix versus Peacock. I mean, I think it's more like <laughs> Peacock versus Quibi. I mean, you've got, you've got Disney wow. Plus. So I mean, I mean, I, I think you need to slow your roll. Twenty six million is great, but is anyone out there really squaring off Peacock versus? Netflix. Well, I don't think they are. No, I, th- I think you're right there. I don't know that anybody really is giving Netflix any competition, except for maybe Disney Plus, right? But I think that Peacock is going to surprise a lot of people. I think part of that is going to be with the content that they have on there now. Highly recommend Mr. Mercedes. Great series of books. An excellent show. They've done a good job with. I mean, Yellowstone. I'm, I'm, I'm sucked in. I can't get enough of that show. And and let's not forget, The Office is moving solely over to Peacock January 1st. And the neat thing about that is, it's only going to be the first two seasons that you can stream uh, ad-supported. If you want to get anything after the second season, you got to subscribe. And they're going to also include a lot of extras and exclusives uh, for all of those Office fans out there. And there are plenty of them out there, for sure. So, I think that Office transition is going to drive some more people over to the Peacock app in 2021. And, and honestly, they've done a pretty good job with the interface. I think they'll continue to work on that. But I, I tell you, given given the hard time that we gave them over the course of the year, uh, I, I, I did not think it would be as successful as it has been. Now, clearly, there have been some tailwinds there, but but I think they are poised to continue to do well. I think that'll surprise a lot of people. Okay, and I apologize for the Quibi comparison. Totally unfair. <laughs> totally unfair. Um, One of them em- is still in business, Mac. <laughs> okay, Emily Flippin, in 2021, blank is going to surprise a lot of investors. I'll say Etsy. And the reason why I think it's going to surprise a lot of investors is because they've already had an amazing 2020, and I think they are well poised to also have an amazing 2021. Uh, Withholding Tesla, which is just added, and the S&P 500, Etsy was the single best performing constituent throughout 2020. And, And that doesn't make me scared as an Etsy investor 
in the least. When you think about the businesses that retain both users, so people who shop on the platform, and merchants, right? People who are creating to stuff to sell on the platform, Etsy overcame that first hurdle in 2020, which was getting those direct clicks, so people going to the Etsy platform specifically looking for stuff to buy and getting their credit card information and getting merchants to make up for you know lack of employment, for instance, right? to find new ways to, to generate revenue and, and cash. So When you head into 2021, I actually think they've built up so much awareness. They have so many more emails and credit card information heading into next year in comparison to the what they had this year, I think Etsy is poised well to have a good 2021. All right. Ron Gross, in 2021, Blank is going to surprise a lot of investors. I'd be remiss if I did a preview show and didn't mention Berkshire Hathaway. So I'm going to say Berkshire Hathaway, and they're going to surprise with a humongously exciting acquisition and a market-beating increase in their share price for the year, which isn't necessarily always the case as of late. They've got around $145 billion in cash waiting to be deployed. Um, uh, Buffett talks about his his elephant gun or an elephant-size acquisition. Um, I want to see it. Um, I also thought last year they'd buy back some stock. They did. They didn't buy back as nearly as much as my reckless prediction um, said they would, but I'd like to see that um, happen as well. Okay, your yeah, your reckless prediction last year was that Berkshire would buy back 15% of outstanding shares and initiate an annual cash dividend equal to 1.5% yield. Yeah, I was a little bit off on that. Okay, it's, it's all right. It's all right. It's all right. You also said, as a surprise on last year's show, value investing would make its comeback and regain its lead over growth. How did that work out? Um, let me see. Twenty twenty one, as I mentioned at the top of the show, infrastructure industrials. This is the year. I like it. I like it. Jason, you said Bed Bath and Beyond on last year's twenty twenty preview. You said Bed Bath and Beyond is going to surprise some people with some glass half full results. So Jason gets to take a victory. Victory lap, right? Yeah, How about I think that. So. I mean, I guess right. technically it did. Yeah, that's that's. Yeah. Hey, all right, you know. Let's, all right, okay. Can so, glass that full perspective paid off for me? I like it. So next, fill in the blank. Emily will have you lead off this time next year. I think I'm going to regret not owning blank. A Peloton. Uh, I can only speak for myself. <laughs> but the past, you know, nine to ten months have not been great for my waistband. Uh, my jeans may not fit anymore. I, I might be wearing yoga pants. <laughs> I think I'm going to regret not owning a Peloton in particular, but in general, some sort of home fitness equipment. All right. Jason, I think I'm going to regret not owning blank. Yeah, I'm going stock here, Mac, and a company called Encino. Now, this is not to be confused with the 1992 blockbuster hit Encino Man, starring Pauly Shore and Brendan Fraser uh, and Sean Astin. Don't forget about him. <laughs> uh, no, this is Encino. This is actually a, a software company, a SaaS company that provides an operating system for banks uh, to to uh, provide customer relationship management and, and customer onboarding account opening, loan origination, and and whatnot. So, so this is a software company that provides a platform for banks to really do their business. And uh, there, there is a, a neat co-founder story there. It's an IPO from July of 2020, so still a fairly new business to the public markets. But, but you gotta love that SaaS subscription model. And, and they're doing something right here because about 20% of the banks in the U.S. already have Encino uh, as as a uh, as a provider, right? So, so they're already uh, have a nice customer base and, and a big one in there in bank. Bank of America. So, anytime you have Bank of America as a customer, I feel like maybe you're doing something right. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of Ellie Mae, if you remember that mortgage software provider. 
there's some network effects involved, and and the longer it goes on, there's some switching costs, and that can be get a little pricing power. Uh, it's a stock that I think is is going to be one we talk a lot more about here in 2021, and uh, I, I think I'm going to have to make sure that I, uh, I I remind myself to to get a little bit of that before before too long. Okay, Ron Gross. This time next year, I'm going to regret not owning blank. Airbnb shares of Airbnb, and you know what? From this value investor, I'm going to say I don't think it matters what the value is. I think I'm going to regret not owning it. I'm not an owner yet. I don't. Will I actually pull the trigger? We'll see. But I do think the shares are going to be higher 12 months from now. Okay, one word answer to this next one: an industry, stock, or business that's going to bounce back in a big way in 2021 is blank. Jason, financials. All right, Emily, Match Group. Ron. Hotels. Okay, I like it. Okay, let's close with our reckless predictions. This is my favorite part of the show. One reckless prediction for 2021. Jason Moser, kick us off. Yeah, I've talked a lot about Serence over the year here on on our shows, and I, I you know I wouldn't be surprised at all. This is a company that just spun off from Nuance Communications in late 2019 to become its own publicly traded company. So it's it's really only been on the public markets for a short period of time, but the stock has just continued to light it up, up up close to 350 percent this year as we tape. And Serence, as you know, is is in the artificial intelligence market for automobiles primarily, utilizing things like augmented reality and audio and whatnot uh, to, to really build out more intuitive uh, and, and safer automobiles. Um, it, it, very interesting headline here. They just received funding from Germany's Federal Ministry for Economic Affairs and Energy uh, to actually drive innovation and automotive assistance for autonomous cars. So, they're really spearheading uh, that autonomous car movement. I wouldn't be surprised at all, even given its short public life here on its own, if Serenz got acquired at some point uh, in 2021, because the technology is Phenomenal! Uh, they're really doing a lot of things well, judging from their backlog numbers. And I think this is a business that uh, a lot of a lot of folks out there would covet. It's still still a small cap company, really. So it'd be an easy acquisition for some big tech uh, player trying to diversify a little bit. Ron Gross. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, under the leadership of Tom Brady, will win Super Bowl 55 at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay. Also, the stock market will be up 12% next year in honor of Tom Brady wearing the number 12. I like wow. it. Emily. I think that cannabis companies in general are going to have a worse 2021 than they did 2020. This is classic. Uh, buy the rumor, sell the news. Dan Boyd, bring us home. All right, Mac. All right, I got two. Two quick ones. One, cruise ships are done. It's, it's nothing. <laughs> Nobody wants to do that anymore. And two, Peloton in 2021, uh, with the vaccines coming out and people going outside again, the last thing I want to do is spend six more months working out in my basement here. No way, no how. Home workout equipment, done. I love it. Emily, Ron, Jason, Dan Boyd, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Mac. Happy New Year, Mac. That's it for Motley Fool Money this week. The show is hosted by Chris Hill. I'm Mac Greer. Happy New Year, and we will see you next week. Okay.